Hit it, Joe. You all know my Uncle Monty, don't you? Monty the Magnificent at your service. Joe, it's Monty. Oh, how you are. You coming to see Uncle Monty's big benefit show? You know, a long time ago, being crazy meant something. Nowadays, everybody's crazy. <laughs> I think we need to look into what happened in Los Angeles last week. Uh, you know, when we left off last, you were um, headed down there for the Ovation Awards. Right. And um, I noticed when you came in tonight, you weren't carrying any hardware. <laughs> so we did win one award for best costumes, but the award I wanted to win was um, for best composition for an original musical. Now, this is going to sound like sour grapes. But it really is a popularity contest. The fact that I was even nominated as an outsider is startling to me. I'm shocked to learn that. <laughs> right. So the guy who did win had this piece of shit production. It was a, a sort of a campy prelude to Hamlet, and the music was so awful. I mean, really and truly, it's in, it's ridiculous. But... You know, it's a big theater company with a lot of alumni, so they produce it, they vote on their own shit, and that's who wins. All right, let's pause now to listen to some of this piece of shit productions music. So the guy gets up on stage, and uh, it's like the worst fucking speech ever. He's like, look at man. I'm so glad we did this production. And if it hadn't happened, I'd have never met my fiance because after the first night of rehearsals, she jumped my bones. Go on. I, I don't know. That's, I, all, that's all he had to say? That's all he had to say. How did the audience react? Just kind of like, hey. It was all his friends, right? Yeah, yeah, and he was like loitering outside the theater after the show. It made me embarrassed to be part of the whole Ovation Awards. Now, let's hear a song from your production, Siamese Sex Show. This is Destroy All Pop Stars. (laughs) Operation Destroy All Pop Stars begins tonight. Shake it, baby, 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 sh
Jackson was playing Jamal. New game, ain't nothing changed. Can't tell Diggs a motherfucker game. Foul mouth, I say what I want to say. DJ gon' play what he want to play. Wow. It's like night and day. It really is like you were saying last week. The competitor's song was sort of like a cliche, musical, talky-talky theater song. And yours is really like a pop song that happens to be appearing in a musical. And I guess, you know, just for our our listeners who might not know, this song was actually part of an album that was a standalone album before it was turned into a musical. And the album features some pretty big-name rappers like Cool Keith, Jay Diggs, and uh, Mr. Fab. And it's actually developed a bit of a fan base of its own, kind of an underground fan base. If you go on YouTube and you search for Siamese Sex Show, you'll find a bunch of fan videos that have been made uh, for the songs from the album. And then those songs appeared in the musical Siamese Sex Show that was at the Lounge Theater in Los Angeles last year. And I think what we're going to do is make some copies of the CD available in the Monty Merch Store and for our Patreon patrons uh, who give at a, a certain level. So look for that online. The whole awards ceremony culture in Los Angeles is... It's part of the local culture. Like right. There's a season. It starts up at a certain time. People plan for it in advance. It's part of the entertainment business culture. You go and you schmooze and you learn sort of where you are in the pecking order. Right. There's so many award ceremonies at so many different levels. Everyone knows the Oscars and the SAG Awards and the fucking Golden Globes and all of that. But there's a million other little podunk, rinky-dink-ass awards whether they're for stage plays, commercials, music videos, porn. The funnest ones are the porn awards. I'd probably like to go to one of those. One time when I was... I'd like to maybe go to all of them. One time when I was in Las Vegas, I was a journalist, and I was, wor- I was there for Comdex or one of those big tech shows covering the tech industry. And I'm staying at a hotel near the Las Vegas Convention Center. And I go downstairs to have dinner. And while I'm coming back to my room, I look around the hotel lobby and I see all of these chicks with like huge fake tits, huge fucking, you know, butt implants, mini skirts, tube tops, just the cheapest looking hoochies you've ever seen. And I'm like, how could all of these women be in one place at one time? So I start looking, and they're all walking in one direction. And so I start following them down this long hall, and they walk into this big hotel convention room. And I, I look, and I see up on the wall, it's the Adult Video Network award ceremony. It's like basically the Oscars of porn that just happened to be going on at the same time that I was there. And I, I stayed in the room 
just for, you know, about an hour or so just to observe. And it was really interesting. I mean, these people take it very seriously. This is their life. And there are categories just like you would see at the Oscars. Best actor, best actress, best picture. And when some of the actresses went up to accept their awards, they were in tears. And they were like, this is the best night of my life. This is what I've worked so hard for all my life. And I just want to say, if you can believe in your dreams, you can do it. You know, I mean, this was like an, like an Oscar speech. But the, the one thing that was interesting is instead of best picture, they have best selling picture or best selling video. So they, they, they don't really have the pretense that, you know, what they're doing necessarily is art. They, you know, they acknowledge that it's commerce. Although they did have an, uh, an award for most outrageous sex scene, which was sort of like a nod to how inventive and creative they could be in coming up with some wild scene. Huh. Well, that's the problem, right? When you watch professional porn out of L.A., um, it seems very mannered. It seems very professional. Thus, there's no intimacy, right? Like, I'd prefer watching homemade porn because there's more intimacy, and that's what's sexy. But when I watch porn made in Hollywood, it's just professionals fucking. It's just so... uh, it's, a, it's kind of a turnoff. I might as well be reading a book of trigonometry because it's so mannered. It's You might as well be having sex with a robot. Right, right, and, right. And that's what robot sex is all about. I mean, it's, it's the next evolution in porn is robot sex where the robots will be programmed to respond to whatever your particular interest is and, you know, make the sounds and the squeals and the facial expressions and the gastric juices that, you know, you, that you like at a certain time, in a certain place, it, it's going to be personalized porn through you know, a haptic device. Look that up. Haptic. That's I, like a, a, a robotic vagina that squeezes your cock on cue when you want it based on your personal profile owned by three or four porn companies in the world that will control the world's sexual reproductive habits. Hmm. You know, when I first moved to the city, I hang out. I hung out with this uh, attorney named John C. And John had some issues, but but like a lot of like he was he had these profound things to say. Um, he said, we went, he goes, Hey, let's go to this porn store. We're walking down the street and he's like checking out the selections. He goes, you know, porn wouldn't be popular if there wasn't such a dramatic rift between men and women. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to say. Um, I think if, if anyone benefits from the me too movement, it's porn manufacturers. What? How so? Well, I think you've got these guys, and I'm saying that with a knowing sense of humor, of course. And once again, there are these guys who have been perpetrators and predators who should be taken out, castrated, and buried under the prison. They're animals. But but I think you've got a situation where guys who are mopey to begin with are now even going to be even more trepidatious. They just don't know how to approach women, you know? They're timid, fearful, and confident. They don't even understand how the female mind works. That rift that John C. spoke about so many years ago, I think, is going to be widened by this fear of repercussions uh, of just approaching a woman. 
I'm saying this with a knowing sense of humor, but you know, if anyone benefits from the Me Too movement, it's going to be the porn manufacturers. Neither men nor women are going to benefit from it. I mean, I, I mean, I like. I hope they fucking castrate Harvey Weinstein. I mean, I really, really hope that he gets shivved to death in his fucking. I hope they shiv him to death like they did in Breaking Bad. Have you ever told a woman something that you regret confessing to in your desire to create intimacy and have no secrets between you and a woman you were dating? Were you ever punished for being open and transparent? Of course, especially when I was young and naive. I think probably when I was uh, somewhere between the ages of like 18 and 25. Here's here's the scenario. Me and my girl, we drove out to Lubbers Lane, uh, you know, some cliffside in San Francisco. We're looking out on the sun coming up over the Pacific Ocean, and I said something to her to like, isn't it amazing how you think that you're never going to connect with someone and then you find that one person that you feel like maybe fate meant for the two of you to understand each other and you're two halves of the same soul. Yeah, something along those lines. You really said that. No, I'm just riffing. But Well, yeah, I might as well have. So you said something truly sincere and And, heartfelt, right? And she looks at me and says, that's the most trite, sad, cliche I've ever heard. Will you take me home now? She really said that? Probably more than once. Really? Oh, she said it with a knowing sense of humor, though, right? She wasn't joking. I mean, no, she was she was joking. No, right? I, no, I think I really made her sad in that moment, and she really realized that she'd made a mistake. But you guys continued dating, it, said, it sounds like, right? And then she continued to realize how what a mistake she was making every time she saw me. Oh, my God. And she just continued to feel taken advantage of every time that I took another minute of her life away from her. Right. I mean, the thing, she, she was dating you to kind of punish herself. Kind of. She and also, be, yeah, I, I mean. To get just, back at her parents. Well, and it made her hate herself every every additional moment that right. she spent with me because she every, knew that she had nothing else to do. She'd be on top of you writing, you know, reverse cowboy going, fuck you, dad. <laughs> fuck you, dad. <laughs> yeah. Now how bad is your girl? How bad is your girl now, daddy? Yeah, she's like, you know, like sucking your cock. Yeah, daddy's girl's a bad girl. Daddy's girl's a bad girl. And then she's like talking to no one. Who said that? I did. No, no, don't put me in the bigger smoker, daddy. Were you hiding in the closet? Uh, We know this guy, Dave C. And he told me this really funny kind of heartbreaking story is uh, right around the dot-com boom, you know, where anything went. He fell in love with this with this with this woman and he became obsessed with her. And night after night, he would she lived in an apartment building. So just think of all the trash from an eight unit apartment building that gets dumped into a dumpster. And every night he would go through the dumpster and trying to find out, like, go through her garbage (laughs) to find out more about her. (laughs) Think about that. He just wanted to know as much about her as he could, so he'd start going through her garbage. So you know that I'm a licensed private investigator. Right. And I've I've actually gone through people's garbage before. It's amazing the stuff that you'll find. Because most of us don't think about what we'll throw in the garbage. You know, a 
prescription from your doctor. Suddenly you find out somebody's, you know, intimate medical history, you know, their herpes medication that they're on. A throwaway thing like uh, a phone number that they jotted down to call somebody back. And you look up who the phone number belongs to and you find out it's uh, someone they're having an affair with. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff in there. You know, you can tell, you know, if a woman has gone through menopause or not by looking through her garbage. I mean, it gets kind of gross, too. You know, you have to, like, wear hazmat gear to, to pull it off. But it's amazing what you'll find. And most people think when they roll their trash cans out onto the sidewalk for trash collection that that's still their private garbage that no one has a right to. But that's actually not true under the law. If someone obtains the garbage on a part of the sidewalk that's owned by the city, that garbage is considered property that's been abandoned and is public property. Huh. If you steal garbage that's still in the possession of someone personally, then it's theft. Huh. Well, my 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 real interest is: Did he ever just find anything interesting? Because sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. Right. So I'm I'm sure there's been some case was how did you obtain this information, and someone could say I just found it on the street, right? Well, anyhow, Dave finally gets a date with this woman, and it goes really well. This woman who could be the love of his life, he's thrilled. So they go out a second time, and they go out to dinner. And then they go out dancing, and then they're, like, going for a walk. And he goes, you know, I need to tell you something. She's like, what's that? And she's really warming up to him. She's revealing the nape of her neck, kind of surrendering to his charm. He goes, you know, for the last few months, I've been going through your garbage. <laughs> because I really because I, I really like you. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to know as much about you as possible. And she goes, I want you to take me home immediately. <laughs> and he immediately regretted it. But he said to me, he goes, I was trying to be open with her, to be vulnerable. <laughs> and I didn't want there to be any secrets between us because I was really feeling close to this woman. And, of course, I regret having said that. Now... I don't know. Where do you draw the line? Like, I mean, I think you can love someone fully and still keep something secret, right? I mean, the thing is, I just, I don't see any way I would have, I would have told a woman this unless we were into like year seven or eight of our marriage. And then I might've confessed that, right? You know, it's a solid marriage. She's gathered a lot of data about you. She knows you're not a, Psycho. As as someone who has been married and divorced, I'll tell you, there are some things you never reveal to your to your spouse. Oh, interesting. And you shouldn't. There are some things that that they don't need to know, and that they would rather not know, and that nothing has changed by by telling them. And huh. uh, all of us, by nature of just being human, have some things about our life that are part of our personal private life. That don't need to be shared, and I think that you know a lot. And, and I've felt this. I've, I've felt this way before, also. That I feel uh, a sense of guilt about withholding information about my personal inner life, but that's nonsense. 
You, you, all of us, by nature of being a human, it serves being, the greater good by not saying it, right? All of us, by nature of hu- being human beings, have a personal, private life that is always going to be part of our personal, private life. Whether we're married to someone, whether we're incredibly intimate with someone or not, that's just part of being human. Is that you have one part of your life that is personal and and private. If you become sort of a hoarder of information and you withhold information that someone else has a right to, that's not right. But information that is at your discretion to, sh- to share or not, you're, there's no obligation to share that information. Sometimes it's better not to share it. The right. other person you know, doesn't need to know it. It's just going to worry them, and it's not anything that, that they necessarily need to know. It's, it's something that, might, they, that they couldn't interpret correctly. Like the fact that you like to dig through someone's, you know, garbage or you like to sniff their panties or you like to stick your finger up your own ass or whatever it is that you do in, you know, in your own private time. You know, I uh, when I came to San Francisco, I started dating this truly loving woman. I know you didn't like her. You thought she was a pain in the ass and a lot of my friends did. But she was really very nurturing and caring person. But I kept trying to test that. I kept confessing things to her, assuming she'd run away because I really hadn't had that sort of intimacy before. Like I, I go, I got to be honest with you, I've donated sperm. <laughs> I goes, oh my god, I don't believe it. Like she just like her like she stopped in her tracks and goes, I can't <laughs> believe you did that. I look at, it, I was poor and I was trying to figure out ways to make money, and I'm like, well, she didn't leave. And then I, I she didn't leave, but she didn't really react in a supportive manner, did she? No, she no. sort of shamed you, didn't she? Yeah, but but just because it was kind of a, a shock to her system that she met a guy who had donated sperm. Why is that such a shock to the system? Because I just don't think a lot of women are kind of prepared to for to hear that, you know. And the repercussions can be dramatic. All right. You know, so I've done that, and. That's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to commit to the relationship is I'm like, you know what? I can be open with this woman. I can let my guard down. I can tell her things that are not flattering about me, and she's not going to run away. And it's kind of like the first time I felt I could trust somebody and say these things. You know, and I had like a, a lot of different stories to kind of to share with her. We didn't have too many secrets between us, although we didn't have a romantic life. We, it was very intimate, but not very romantic. I remember her telling me when her the, the 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 months before her father finally died of cancer and how her mother aged overnight, and so she kind of told me this, and we were on the couch lying down, and after a long pause, I go, "Do you think he's ever coming back?" <laughs> and she just exploded with laughter. You know, she just thought that was the funniest thing, her dad oh, dying of cancer. Cute. And that was the sort of relationship. I, we, we, She really loved my sense of humor and got me. Really? Because uh, it uh, seemed like sometimes she did and sometimes she didn't. No, she did. She always got me. But, you know, she she could be a bully. I remember one time, like, when we had broken up, I was flirting with another woman at a party. And just like a crab, she came right up to me and pinched the hell out of the back of my arm. And then, like, just, you know. She forced it, me forced me to go home. She's forced me to go home on more than one occasion, even after we stopped dating. She was a bit of a bully. She thought it was all a performance for her, didn't she? 
She thought it was all to make her jealous. <laughs> right. Maybe something like that, right? Anyhow, the thing is, is it's it's a balance, right? You don't want to have any secrets between you. You want to be open, right? You want to have you want to come from a place of confidence where you can like confess being vulnerable, confess to like things that are embarrassing. Um, but then at the same time, you don't want to necessarily need to tell somebody about this chick who loved being peed on, right? Well, I just remember that for a long time, I used to drive past this place on, um, it was off Polk Street on, what was it on California? Anyway, it was this brothel, one of the many uh, massage parlors in, in San Francisco. We went to that one, right? One of the many Asian massage parlors in Cal- in San Francisco that are brothels that that are allowed to operate as long as they keep their activities behind closed doors. So I we kept uh, driving past this place and eventually you and I were out. It was not long after our adventure at the Gold Club. Right, right. And uh I said, "You know, I this place looks weird to me. Let's go in there." So we went there and we got in. They take you into like a holding room, like a waiting room, a parlor, and then uh women come out as they are available. And uh, ask you to come, you know, into a private room with them. I don't know what your experience was like. But... My experience was I wasn't ready for it. It's the first time I'd done something like that. So I wasn't really. Which is why the next day you called up your ex-girlfriend, old <laughs> thumbs down, and you felt the need to confess. I didn't confess. And you felt the need to tell her what you'd done. I didn't confess that. And then, and then we all went out to sushi in Japantown, <laughs> and she decided to give me a very uh, sort of like a school marm scolding. Did you, no? It we, was she sort of like scold you about that. Oh, she was very scolding. No, she was like, "You took to a to a brothel <laughs> that exploits women, <laughs> and you." Contributed to you the patriarchy. Me. Yeah, you forced me. Yeah, and I was like, I was looking at you like for some support. Like, what's up with thumbs down? <laughs> and you were just, you know, very quiet, very pussy whipped, and uh, you allowed her to, you know, to shame me for the choices that you had made. I mean, you know, since then, I have dated women who have worked at, at massage parlors. Um, this one woman who lived in Chinatown told me she worked in the import-export business. She invited me over for dinner, and then she gets a call, and she goes out into the lobby, and she's like, uh, I, I got to go to the office right now, and uh, I'll be right back, though. And so I follow her. So, like, my heart is racing. Thump, 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 thump. She's going down the street. And I'm, like, one block away, darting in and out of the shadows and alleyways. Doing and surveillance. Sh- and sure enough, she goes into this massage parlor. And um, You should have gone into the massage parlor. So I followed her into there. So then I finally knew what she did. And uh, I told her later, I go, you can tell me anything you want. And she kind of said something. And she said, well, I can't do that. I could get in trouble. Is that kind of interesting? Which like if you're dating, true. which is probably true, right? And so, uh, you know, then I kind of researched her on the internet, and you know, she had quite, you know, people write reviews of the of the of the women who work at these massage parlors. Guys write reviews, and she was highly ranked. Did you ever? Did you ever find out? Did you ever talk to her and find out her real story of where she came from and how she came here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew all of that. Like, what I, is it? I, well, you know, she like her 
parents loved her sister more than they liked her, you know, but she had to take care of the sister, you know. So, I, excuse me. So she took care of the dying parents and the other sister got all the money, although the woman, this woman who worked in the massage parlor had to take care of the parents, didn't get any money or emotional support. But how, how did she come to the United States? Oh, I think it was a fake marriage. And I forget what city in in China. That's she's one from. of. I mean, that's one of many ways. That's one of many scams for human human trafficking. No, no, no. I, yeah, well, I, I fake and, marriage and, and, to and a and pimp no, who brings him here, and you're no, you know, no, you no way, you're his property. No, in no way did I. He turns you out, right? You know. No way did I think that. I think this was this was a choice on her part. I mean, no way did I feel she was victimized. I think it was just her, like, kind of being a kind of an adventurous woman who didn't have much problem with this. You know, and the reviews did, were... What, did, I mean, did she say that, that she didn't have a problem with it, or did she say that she felt trapped and wanted no to No way did, did she, she feel trapped. No way did she feel trapped. Her name was... Her name was Cece. That was her massage parlor name. She worked as a journalist, you know, back in in, in China. and Probably made more money as a jack-off girl in America than she did as a journalist. Well, she just wasn't a jack-off girl. Like, the reviews were like, like I didn't know Greek was a term for anal, but guys guys were writing, oh, man, if you pay her enough, she'll go Greek. I mean, basically, she'll do anal, right? You know? How, do you, you give feel, her enough- how do you feel about that as a Greek-American? <laughs> do, you take, do you take any offense to that? I don't like it. I don't like when... People like make fun of Greeks like that. Well, you know, I don't like you know it. that your people have a long history with the asshole, and you know Greeks like a lot of like our modern society was built on the Greeks, but now they are some of the dumbest. They're dumb, drunk pranksters. They contribute little to nothing to like the world's to society. But they've contributed a lot of butt sex. Oh my god! I mean, they don't pay their taxes. I mean, really? now, like, money's worthless in Greek, Greece. They have to, like, you know, the... the, the, the they were the, having so much fun. I mean, really, they, they were partying so long. Oh, I'm just not a big fan of Greeks. You'd rather forget. Uh, You'd rather forget where you come from. <laughs> I've, I've turned my back on my culture. You know, I, I went on a date a couple nights ago with this girl I met on POF. And uh, she had, like, broken many, many dates. And I just thought this was... She, had some issues. She she dated this guy, and I think they had an illegal massage parlor. The whole thing seemed really hoochie. And uh, she was starting to open up and tell me her story. And so I, I'm like, no problem. If you if you can't go, you can't go. Just let me know a night when you can commit. So we finally go out, and this had been going on, this, like, let's go out. I can't go out for months. So we finally went out on Wednesday, and she gets in the car, and you know, she smells like cigarette smoke and she's got like giant diamond studded high heels and like her her boobs are hanging out. According to her, she goes, oh, man, my boobs are hanging out. That's like the first thing she says when she gets in the car. And she wants to go to this under a classical music underground place on Broadway Street. So so we go there and um, it's a it's a it's a duet. It's um, oboe. And violin, they're doing Mozart pieces, mostly arias. And so they're playing, and she wants to sit right in front. There's like maybe eight people in this huge, giant bar. And so she wants to sit literally three feet away from them, right in front of them, which is okay. And so they're playing, and after a couple selections, she kind of looks over at me and whispers, Man, this sounds just like the Holocaust. 
that was her that was like uh you know her 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 critical assessment of the evening's music hey you know this really sounds like the holocaust <laughs> because she probably heard similar like musical scores like in schindler's list right so that was her one observation man this sounds just like the holocaust i hope you'll see her again oh my gosh she was a piece of work she told me um her mother mother uh lives in las vegas and she's got like um her little Filipino mom lives in uh, Las Vegas, and as she's like sixty-five years old, and she just got fake tits like a couple years ago. So she's in her mid-sixties, and she said she got like six hundred and eighty-five cc's. She's like four foot eleven, and she just got almost seven hundred cc fake tits. Do you know how big that she is? It's like, like the size of basketballs. She got like a five foot ten woman's tits, right, on a four foot. Eight woman's body. I know that's exactly it. It's, it's like a scarecrow with watermelons <laughs> duct taped to her chest. Right now, you understand why this woman has a has issues kind of getting close. So that was my date Wednesday night. But the day before that, a woman on WeChat who I don't recall had wrote me. She goes, "How have you been?" I'm like, "I'm okay." She was like, "Hey, I'm coming up to the city. Can I see you?" I'm like, uh, "And I looked, and the only photo was like a view of her." So almost like from, it was from orbit, like looking down at her. So her head was hiding her body. Do you understand one of these images? It's kind of an aerial view where the woman looks up. Yeah. And so her head is concealing the rest of her body. Right. And she's, uh, should I just come over to your house? And I'm like, God, this is a bad sign. No woman says that unless there's something up, right? I'm like, uh, and I'm racing to take care of a bunch of things, like cleaning the house. I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's fine. You know, how bad is this going to be? And I had no idea what she really looked like except for her smile. And when she walked through the door, she was no less than 250 pounds. She was huge. That's I mean, sexy. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. And so, What'd you she, What did you say? I didn't say anything. I just tried to be polite. You I know, but she was huge. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go polite. She, she might have even been closer to 300, to be honest with you. I she wouldn't was, go polite. I'd go, get the fuck out of here. You've <laughs> deceived me. Go <laughs> away. So anyhow, I go, hi, how are you? I'm trying to keep it together. And um, and so I go, do you, would you like some tea? So I made her some tea. And she kept burping. So I feel like That's I was sexy. like re-smelling like her giant breakfast that she had that Did, day. Is she like doing I could smelly really, burps? Really stinky burps. So I'm just trying to do housework. Do you I, think that she had always been a woman all her life? <laughs> oh, God. And so so I knew right away I needed to be downtown by <laughs> 4.30, and it was 3 o'clock when she came over. I'm like, oh, yeah, nice to see you. Yeah, you know, and... uh and uh, so we're talking. I'm taking care of things. I'm just trying to avoid any overtures. And she keeps following me. And she goes, you know what? I'm going to take a nap on your bed. Is that okay? And I'm like, nah, come on. You know, I just follow me. You know, I, was like, I, I wanted to get out of the bedroom because I was like putting my clothes in my bedroom and stuff like that. And, uh, and she goes, do you want me to take off my panties? I'm like, nah, come on. You're being silly now. She's like, I'm really wet. So she rubs her pussy, and then she brings her, like, wet fingers over to my face, you Give know, you a to little, smell. a little sample. Right. I'm like, oh, you're crazy. Do you know that? You're really crazy. 
anyhow, like, I got to really get going. Should, can I give you a ride downtown? She's like, yeah, okay. So he gave her a ride downtown, and, and that was kind of it. Is this the first time something like this has happened to you? Uh, you know, I... Probably not. No, well, I've had things like this happen. How, you know, often, I went do, out, how I, often do you have a woman who you pick up online come over to your house? How many times a week? A week? No, come on. I mean, maybe at one point I had a frequency that was that was um, disturbingly high. You know, no... I'm not judging. I'm right. Just, I'm just, no, we're, no, just, I we're just talking facts. <laughs> I, uh... I, I, I don't date much these days. Not a whole lot. Despite the fact that I just shared you two weird stories. How often do you come? Um, From someone else's manipulation of your cock? Um, maybe once every two weeks. Not a lot. Not a lot. And is, and is it, I mean, do you have like a rotation? Do you have a stable of chicks that, you know, make you come? Or do you... Small stable. Got a small stable. Right, small stable. But you got a stable. Yeah, I'd rather have just one. I'd rather have just one fantastic person I could focus all my love and energy on. But you've just and got grow a, something beautiful. But you've just got a few that are kind of disappointing, but they get the jizz out, and you know it works. Well, two of them decided to get breast implants mm-hmm. and so then that was kind of intriguing but one got breast implants and thought that if they got breast implants and i was supportive of course mm-hmm. you know one could argue selfishly so and she's she's like i got these breast implants and now i demand to ha- see more of you <laughs> and i go this i go getting breast implants does not give you the right to make unreasonable requests of me. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. That's have not you how been it sending works. those messages that you know uh, the currency of your relationship is tit size? No, I mean the thing is, even if I had, I mean it's not fair for her to get breast augmentation and then assume she can make these unreasonable demands. For instance, I said, "Why not?" I can see you. I, I go. I can see you tonight, but. Tomorrow night, I got to get together and kind of work on my taxes with my accountant. She's like, no, I'm going to see you this whole weekend. You know, it's not a realistic demand, you know. But if you loved her, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, you know, taxes could wait. She doesn't know how to behave. Like, you know, I actually, the the, the, the plastic surgeon who, who, who worked, a very good plastic surgeon, he can't, like, everyone has an issue with her. All her old boyfriends kind of relegated her to the periphery of their lives because she's such a pain in the ass. How did you get to know her old boyfriends? Well, she she just told me that her old boyfriends didn't like spending much time with her. And so you 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 sort of deducted from that that it was because of her. Well, no, no, she's uh, And have you spoken with her plastic surgeon and gotten his candid thoughts about her? Yeah, well, you know, um I went with her to the first plastic surgeon who did her stuff. Did you and I told take, her? Did you did you recommend her to the plastic surgeon? The second one, I so told you, her. So you have a plastic surgeon kind of loaded up to yeah. do the tit augmentation that, right. that you like. Right, he's very good because he he, he because did you've stuff got up. a certain. I had my own. You have a done. certain boob profile, right? That you like, and you sort of take these women. Well, he's just a very good plastic surgeon. He goes the extra yard. Uh-huh. Now, what does he do? Uh, he does everything. He does like nose. 
you know, breasts. Goes the extra mile. I mean, on a, on a boob job, what would he do to go to the extra mile? Bring down the fold of skin to kind of make sure it's positioned nicely. Go through the armpits. It's a little harder to do. But that avoids like any like little scarring scars here. underneath the boobies. He's he's very th- he's very he's very passionate. You've used him many times. Do you ever slip him a little? You know, I mean, do you ever give him a little token of your appreciation? Well, sometimes like I'll like if there's if there's a, a person I don't like and I know he's getting ready to perform surgery, like I'll put something like in his glass of water so he'll be like a little fucked up, <laughs> turn her into Frankenstein. <laughs> And how do the ladies come out? One side a little bigger than the other. Yeah. Well, he does he does good work, but the first plastic surgeon this guy she went to was a was a worthless, slimy, oily piece of shit. He goes, "Well, the thing about me, I've done almost 5,000 of these uh, breast augmentation and I've never been sued." <laughs> and I go, "Jesus Christ, don't go to see this guy. It's such a sleazy thing for him to have said." And sure enough, his whole approach, he did a bad job. Her boobs were literally right under her chin. They were too high up. He said he'd redo them. And I go, I told you not to go to him. Everything he did was wrong. And so she went to my guy, and then my guy made her look great. But I think she was a little too greedy because her friend, she has a she has a friend of hers um, who got like 700 cc's and gets all the guys. And uh, she was competitive, so she, you know, got 670-something, and it was a, a little too big for her, mm. a little too big. Yeah. Because it's not natural. It's all of a sudden she looks like she's barrel-chested, right? So these, it doesn't look like these beautiful breasts. It looks like she's got, you know, she's she's got a, she's barrel-chested. So these ladies are all about the same age? Well, yeah, about the same age, right? About, what's the range? Uh, like in their late 40s. No, no, no. That that bride of Frankenstein you brought over here, who had had just who was getting ready for the, no, she was not in her late forties. She was in her late forties. You brought a woman here who looked like the unholy bride of Frankenstein who had gone through a windshield three or four times, out all night on a coke binge with a failed rapper from <laughs> East Oakland, and. She'd had reconstructive surgery. I mean, really, she had like plexiglass plates under her like cheekbones, and she looked nah, like she's okay. She, just, I mean, I mean, she didn't have. That's not a plastic surgery face. That's just her natural looks. No, I mean, nothing natural. Looks no, like that. no, no, no. She had. She unless had, she was a cyborg or something. No, she had her nose done, but no, then they she, had to take a. They, can you listen? No, they took out. She had an implant on her nose, but it got infected, so they took it out. So that kind of made her nose tweak. But she, she had just a had, Michael Jackson kind of look on her. She nose. had her nose redone. It looks very good. She had her boobs redone. It looks very, very good. So she looks, she looks pretty damn good. Let's uh, let's start the show. It's time to start the show. We've been talking. We've had enough pre-talk. It's time to start with our first topic. Since last time you and I spoke, you had some feces thrown on your car. Right. And I think it was human feces. Am I right? Uh, well, this this has happened twice. And I know who did it. And so the first isn't it, time, isn't it the woman we've just been talking about? I think so. So um, 
So the, the woman, first time the woman it, who the, with the plastic surgery issues, right? Who so, you've just who you brought to your plastic surgeon, right? So the and per- didn't she throw shit on your car twice? Yeah, L- give me a chance to talk about this. Why don't you, you go talk. to the bathroom? So anyhow, uh, this first happened about two months ago, where I went down into my car and there had been shit thrown on my windshield, and I didn't know where the shit came from. And I was, but I just knew it was shit because it really stunk up the whole cabin of the car. I was driving down the street, my eyes were watering. I'm like, holy shit, somebody threw shit on my car and it stinks like hell. So I took it right to the uh, car wash and got it taken care of. And, uh, but it wasn't like a pile of it, it's just somebody had splashed it up on my windshield. And I was kind of looking at it and like you just get your nose with even like six inches and you're just like, holy shit, that's some stinky shit. But you don't know where the fuck did it come from? Is it human shit? Is it animal shit? So I had a feeling I I knew who it was. And sure enough, later that afternoon, she calls and goes, hey, could I meet you at a cafe? Well, this person's never asked me to meet her at a cafe in my life. But um, so I had a pretty good idea it was her, but I never accused her of it. But the thing that's interesting is like right after she threw shit on my car, I was very angry and then I was turned on. <laughs> so so the second time it happened it was literally a medicine ball pile it was a pile like just about as big as a medicine ball that had been dumped on my windshield and my neighbors had seen it like the guy upstairs goes ah what happened to your car mate he's like from Australia he goes ah that, that was a girl ah girls can be very vindictive he just knew right away that was a girl so I see this giant pile and I take it to the car wash and the, the guys working at the car wash, they're like, so what happened? <laughs> I, go, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> because I thought if they realized it was shit, they'd turn me away. They're like, we don't want your fucking car going through our car wash. And so they took my car, they quarantined it. They took it off to like the side <laughs> and sprayed it. And everyone's <laughs> laughing like, hell. Oh, all the Mexican guys are like laughing. They're like, no, it's a dump, man. And I, uh, no, I think it's a pile of, of dirt. And they go, no, man, it's a dump. That's a dump, man. They just knew right away, right? <laughs> they knew. I wasn't going to fool those guys. So they, they took it off I'm, to the I'm side. I'm sure they've probably done worse. They've probably the, cleaned worse. Yeah, so they took it off to the side and quarantined it. And sprayed it off, and then, like, you know, we got it washed in. So that didn't smell so bad. And uh, sure enough, I get a call, like, later later that night. And she goes, uh, hey, can I see you? So I'm kind of turned on that she threw shit on my car again. It kind of, it's a big part of the relationship, her throwing shit, and then me getting now, angry. It, and then, l- l- Okay, but let me ask you, where does the shit come from? So anyhow... No, 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 no. I'm trying to... No, no, to f- where does the shit come from? I'm going to answer that question. So she comes over, like, after she does this, she's, like, prone to violent mood swings. She's, no doubt, borderline. And so she comes over and she goes, hey, do you, can I give you this pile of money? You know, so she's like, I thought I'd give you, like, a Chinese New Year present, right? And uh, I go, oh, no, 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 save it. You, you save it. You need the money. And so I'm just trying to be nice because she feels probably neglected and I think the worst thing I could do is expedite this this is in my world most normal people would handle this in a much more healthy adult way but this is how I handle things in a sort of a sort of like uh, the upside down world way I'm like oh you threw shit on my car come on over let's just like relax you know and so she's like 
we're watching like because she doesn't speak English very well. We're watching one of those animal programs on on uh, Netflix, and she was like, uh, she was like, hey, she goes, do you want me to buy you a monkey? <laughs> and I go, what? She goes, yeah. She goes, I know this guy, and like, I, I, it'd be really nice. You could have a monkey here in your home. Do you want a monkey? <laughs> So one, she this is her this is what she always does. She like does something horrible, and then she wants to compensate. Like one time, she made these false claims about me at at the Y, and then she bought me a computer the very next week. Right, <laughs> so it's, it's so she's and she's and she's very good at hiding it. You know what I mean? Like I made a hint the first time she got thrown on my windshield. I go, I go, you know, something happened to my car. Thinking she'd get all shy or kind of like not make eye contact. She's like, what happened? like oh my god this woman's she's like a pretty nice psycho as far as she's you know she's borderline this is par for the course for people with borderline so so anyhow we're like watching this like discovery channel and it's like there's a lot of monkeys and she's like lemurs and shit jumping around she's like hey uh hey do, do you want me to buy you a monkey you can have a monkey here at your home and she was very serious she really wanted to buy me a monkey because she was just wanted to make up for the fact that she just had she goes i have a friend that i have a friend who raises monkeys or so so i think that's where she got the shit she she probably has a guy who imports animals or has an animal shop of exotic animals and that's probably where she got the shit from but 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 this has happened twice the second was a huge pile what really made you identify the shit as monkey shit I didn't. I didn't identify it as any shit. I still don't know what kind of shit it is. All I'm saying is, we're why watching... wouldn't you want to identify the shit? Wouldn't you want? I mean, you're bringing it to the car wash. The Mexican guys are quarantining your car. I think you know you owe it to them at least to give them a little. How bit would of... I do that? How would I identify what, what where the shit came from? I just short want to get D- it off my short car. Short of a DNA test. I mean, I think. Uh, you you could know. do a visual. You could do a visual on it, and you could probably do an analysis to determine, you know, by consistency, shade, uh, whatever kind of uh, food detritus right. you find in it. Well, I th- look. You say monkey. I think she's. I think she's shitting you with her own shit. <laughs> I think it's her own shit. I do. Well, I'll tell you this: the first shit smelled a lot different than the second shit. The second shit didn't smell too bad, but the first shit. Jesus Christ! It lingered on that fucking car. It was it, it stuck to that car for like two weeks. That was, was human shit. You human think human shit, shit t- stinks oh, it, worse? Oh yes. Uh, humans can smell other humans' shit a hundred times more than they can smell other species' shit. We oh. we can smell each other's shit to identify each other. To what about when you're driving up I five? You're going through like you can smell that fucking manure, right? You know, like when you're outside. Cashwitz. Yeah, when you're outside of uh, Kauschwitz, yeah, Kauschwitz—that's what it's called. Yeah, that that, that strip, that uh, stretch of I five, right? Yeah, north of Harris Ranch, where they serve you all the huge cuts of beef. Right. They've got the the Kolinga Ranch, which is a uh, yeah, it's it's a huge concentration camp for cows that are living in their own shit. They're living in like you know knee deep in in their own shit, waiting to be uh, slaughtered and you know to supply beef to you, me, In-N-Out Burger, wherever else buys it you know do you think cows know they're 
in line to be executed. Do you oh, think they definitely. Can, they definitely. Is that true? Have totally. they done like psychological tests where their cows yes. know they're going to be killed or not? Well, especially uh, if they are close enough to the place where the cows are being killed, which they usually are because, you know, they're trying to maximize space. They're usually not very far away from where the killing is coming. They can smell it. They can hear it. Absolutely. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It's it's casual. It's a, it's like it's a concentration camp. So the camps probably the cows start freaking out when they get close to it, right? It all depends. I don't know what the you know. I mean, sometimes these cows are drugged. Sometimes they're on what meth? Uh, sometimes these cows are on meth. No, no, sometimes they're on tranquilizers. A lot of the time, they're just you know. If I had to witness that, I'd never eat a burger again. Jesus, I couldn't look a cow in the face, kill it, and then make it into a burger. Thank God I don't well, if have you to kill my own food. If you couldn't do that, I mean, you couldn't do it 2,000 times a day if you worked at one of these places. Oh, my. Well, I think after a while, it just you're on autopilot, right? Pretty much. Right. You just don't turn out. Have you found that at this point in our life, neither you or I have achieved anything notable enough that we have any great risk by saying whatever we want. Have you have you found that to be true? Well, Do you have a lot to lose? I don't know. You know, the thing is, like, I still need to be employed in the high-tech industry. High-tech companies are conservative. That's where I, I have to pay my fucking bills. I'm still not independently wealthy. You know, so... I mean, if I was making money from the entertainment industry, everyone it's, it's a little looser there, right? You know, you want your you want people in that industry to kind of be bold, to be daring, to be a little outrageous. But in like high tech, they're so like conservative, you know, and uptight. And especially each each generation seems to get more tightly wound. Like this generation below us, we're supposed to be the dads who are outraged at what these young people are doing. But I'm bored by what these young people are doing. They truly are, truly are tightly wound, uptight, married to their message, and uh, not very interesting. I mean, these kids, they're boring. They're fucking sad and unimaginative. Right, right. I, whatever happened with being, they, kids are supposed to do something outrageous, right? Outrageous they're... and daring and supposed to like stick it to the man and make their parents. No. No, they're just, it's they've, so they've give, boring. They've given up. Unbelievably boring. Unbelievably boring and unbelievably already beaten down to being just obedient slaves before they're even, you know, smart enough to know that they're being fucked in the ass every day. Just, you know, they're just, they're just like bred to be these fucking puppets. And, you know, from day one, they're like, I want to live. They're, they're worse than the young people in the 1950s. They're right. Like, I want to be top of the banana heap when I get to be 40 years old, you know, and just, you fucking fool, you don't even realize that you're just bending over to get fucked up the ass. Well, what you said was highfalutin and abstract. So I, I can't comment on that. I'll have to remain on the outside looking in at what you just had to offer. But I will say this. Um, the people, the the young kids who were like 20 years younger than me that we hired on the marketing team. Yeah. They were constantly, like the blogs I would write, constantly there was a couple people in particular 
who uh, would say, I'm really uncomfortable with this. I'm really uncomfortable with that. And at one point I go, although someone's uncomfortable, that's not necessarily what's good for the business. Your feelings of discomfort are an imposition on the business, right? Just because someone feels uncomfortable, that doesn't mean they're right, right? It's easy to side with the person who's constantly feeling discomfort about some issue. That doesn't mean that person's right. Why did you even come into the office? Why didn't you just stay in bed? And so that's kind of how I felt like saying, I go, this one guy in particular, we'll just call him Patrick, his level of discomfort about anything provocative, and blogs are supposed to be provocative, if it were up to him, nothing would get published. That would be the safe approach. The safe approach would be to do nothing. Um, (laughs) But I really did say at one point, I go, look, look at man. I go, within the marketing meeting, I go, just because someone's uncomfortable doesn't mean they have the business's best interest in mind. Right. Because I've seen this before. Like <coughs> when I was at well, Zoom, which became NBC Interactive, we had a file sharing application. And one guy was like, this is going to get us sued. This is going to get us this. This is going to get us that. And I simply refused to do it. And they were like, okay, um, bye. <laughs> you know? Because it didn't mean he was right. <laughs> this guy looked like Dr. Spock. He was such an odd guy. And uh, he wore like a neckerchief. And he just had all sorts of outrage at what this product was going to be. We're like, okay, bye. You know, obviously, it's not for you. And this guy at the company, like even my boss said, I want to show him the numbers. Like one of these ebooks that I had done was pretty provocative and it done well. He goes, I want to show Patrick the numbers so we can shove it up his ass. I just love that my boss said that, so I can shove it up his ass. So so everybody kind of hated this guy. No, no, no. He was actually a a likable, like kind of a sweet guy. Just he was just uh, he was like somebody in the back of an SUV in the middle seat. He wouldn't even ride if there wasn't a seatbelt. So, why don't you tell everyone what we're um, eating and drinking tonight? Homemade salsa. And Wait a uh, minute. Did you just say homemade salsa? I did say that. Who made the salsa? You did. I'm glad you said that. Because you know why El Greco... I yeah. want to share some of the things that are in it. We've got some serrano peppers. Right. We've got uh, some fire-roasted tomatoes. Right. A little bit of uh, white onion, some garlic, some lime. I saw some pubic hair in there. I had a, a pubic hair from a 13-year-old Hindu boy. I had a few pubes brought right. in. They were flown in For this text- morning. Oh, exotic pubes from India. Don't don't underprice my pubes because right. those are built into the price of the dish I'm going to serve you. Right. And um, what would you say about the bouquet of uh, of the salsa that I prepared? Well, it tasted healthy. It what, actually, what notes were you picking up in the bouquet? Uh, it tasted like uh, uh, earthy. Were you were you uh, smelling any particular gender or race of human in the in the bouquet in the pubic bouquet? Why don't why don't we move on? All right. I'll just talk to the listeners. Folks, if you like the podcast, subscribe to it. Subscribe on iTunes, on Android, Stitcher, whatever you got, and rate it. Give the podcast a rating, write a review, a few words, whatever you got to say. That really helps us out. If you want access 
to other content. If you want to participate in the show, either by submitting a question or even appearing on the show, go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Uncle Monty, and become a uh, recurring patron. That helps us. Go to unclemonty.net. Check out what we've got in the merch shop. We've got the new Smoke Cornulary t-shirts and hoodies and mugs. Check it out. See if you know. See if you if you like what we got. We'll see you next time. Hit it, Joe. You all know my uncle Monty, don't you? Monty the magnificent at your service. Tell everybody, oh, how you are. You coming to see Uncle Monty's big benefit show? You know, a long time ago, being crazy meant something. Nowadays, everybody's crazy. <laughs>